Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Y'all here? All right. I've graduated from the chair. (laughs) Thank you, musicians, for your ministry today. This has just been a challenging day because it seems like anything that could happen in a negative way technologically. So, we've just had one after another, after another, after another emergent problem. But, it's working. We had to enter live stream, but we're there. We apologize for some of you went, hey, they, that disappeared. I tried to hurry up and put up a message. Technical problems with our network. Please stand by. And, uh, here we are. And we're moving forward in the book of Acts. Just wanted to reiterate, guys, the backyard is set up for us. As soon as I get home, I'm going to change clothes, fire up the grill, grill some brats and hamburgers. We'll sit around. We have lounge chairs. We'll drag some kitchen chairs out, have some folding chairs in the garage if we need them. I have a golf ball hitting net. i got to remember as I leave to get the cornhole set that's in the shed here and, or in the closet in the multi-purpose building. And then we'll just have us a time while the ladies are having them a time over at the Trevino's house. And so whoever wants to come, I also have figured out, I've rigged up a shelf, looks kind of ornate, rustic. It's rustic. I still need to stain it, but I set a little TV out. Hook it to the fence so it won't fall over with the wind blowing. And I rigged up extra network extension. So we'll have the TV on, maybe some football playing. So it'll be just a good time to lounge around, have a good time. I have desecrated my wife's holy spot is what I have done. Because she had that set just right for her during the summer, hanging out out there during the mornings. But now she's at school. So if she's at school, I'm hitting golf balls. So uh, just want to invite you to come do that. We have been talking about great grace, haven't we? Great grace. And, you know, as we begin this message, before we even get into it, there's two people that I'm mindful of that we just want to power punch this situation in prayer. We really need to power punch Two I know of. Now, some of you say, well, what about, what about, what about? You lift up your hand in prayer and represent them, okay? But I would like us to focus like a laser beam this morning on Walt Griggs, who is the regional executive presbyter of the West Region of the Sons of God, pastors in Grape Creek, Texas. He's on a ventilator right now in Shannon Hospital. Numbers are looking good. It's moving in the right direction. I almost got put on one of those, and you guys prayed me away from that edge. And so let's pray for Walt Griggs. He's a gentle giant of a man, young man. He's a couple years younger than me. And uh, what a great guy. And let's just pray for the grace of the Lord Jesus to touch him in a powerful way. We also want to pray for somebody who's connected into our congregation, Brett Sullen, Brett Sullins, Jason and Joyce's son. Julie's brother, who has been on varying forms of ventilation and has a lot of challenges to overcome. 
He needs the capital G-R-A-C-E of the Lord Jesus Christ to confront the darkness and to turn back the damage that has been done. Both of these men need a touch from God. Now, some of you say, well, yeah, what about you? We could be here all day connecting other names. I'm going to invite you to pray for Walt, pray for Brett, and add that name or two in there that you have. And let's all pray right now. Let's just lift our hearts with everything we got within us. Lord, we come to you. You have dispensed great grace. You have exploded grace and unleashed grace across this country, across this world. All things have been provided by the purchasing price of the blood of Jesus, the Christ of God. It's been paid for in full. He, he called out, paid in full. Teleestomai, paid in full. If he has not withheld his own son, but has given him on our behalf, how much will he freely give us all things? All things. Healing, deliverance, empowerment, turning back the clock, a transformation, forgiveness, everything that is available in your grace. And Lord, we come, we've been preaching on great grace. We've been talking about walking in great grace. And now, Lord, we want to violently connect our faith to this great grace. The slenderest nerve of our faith connected to the great power of the grace of God. And we call out these names that are in our heart. We call out especially Walt Griggs in San Angelo. We call out Brett Solins. And Lord, we're asking for the darkness to be pushed back, for damage to be healed, for stiffness to be released, for air sacs to engage, for lungs to expand, and Lord, for these machines to not be necessary, Lord, for neurological damage to be undone. Lord, we're praying for things that have occurred and happened in their life. We're praying for blood clots to be dissipated now in Jesus' name. Not an aneurysm, not a damaging release of a blood clot, but the dissolving instantaneously of these blockages. Lord, we're calling upon you. We're calling upon you in the name above all name. The name of Jesus. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen and Amen. How many of you know if that's our only weapon against this, we win. If that's our only weapon, we win. Because it is the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're looking at Acts chapter 5. And we want to take on just 11 verses. We were looking at the great grace, the great encouragement, and we closed out last week considering a man by the name of Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, that the disciples dubbed Barnabas. Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I didn't do the Aramaic study for son of money bags. Daddy Warbucks. Sugar Daddy. I didn't do that one. The disciples, from that point forward, did not know him and dub him Moneybags or the guy who comes through for us in the nick of time. No, they named him Son of Encouragement 
because what he did encouraged their hearts, encouraged them in their time of need. And he, he got this title hung on him, this name hung on him, son of encouragement. Now, after that beautiful, encouraging, grace-filled, wonderful moment, we have to stop and remember, when grace moves, there's always a pushback. Are you with me? One of the reasons that Luke wrote as he did, so that we could see these patterns, so we could see these things going on in a narration, and he's, and he's laying them out so we, we get a teaching here of, hey, look what happened. This and then pushback. I think it was L.A. Marzulli, one of the guys I like to read after and watch. He's an interesting character out of California, really into prophecy, UFOs and all that. And one of these days we'll have him here. He's just a, he's just a character in the kingdom. And he says, it's always like a chess game. Move, counter move. Move, counter move. But I got great news for you. While the devil's playing checkers, God's playing three-dimensional chess. God's way ahead of him. And if we will listen to the Lord, he'll give us the next move that some will think is foolish, but is actually the most brilliant move because it changes the whole scope of the game. So get ready because in this great grace, this son of encouragement, when this great grace is being released in his life, it goes on in the fifth chapter and you almost want to, I almost want to write there, uh oh, what now? What's next? And it reads this way. Oh, before I do, I do, I do need to connect to review and kind of connect some dots. Grace events happen as a result of alignment and action. They're not by accident. They're on purpose as we purpose to join God in alignment. Grace events always result in pushback. We just heard that, didn't we? Walking in grace requires wisdom and courage. The grace walk is not for the chicken. You're going to have to step out in faith because you can only walk in grace by walking in faith. You connect to faith, to grace, and then you walk in the fullness of God's provision. Then, walking in grace requires an embracing of weakness. It's not about me. It's not about my strengths. It's not about playing to the things I can do all the time, but it's about His glory, His honor, His praise, and here's the great confirmation and comfort I get. His strength is made perfect in weakness. So for those of you that are sitting there saying, I'm totally weak, there's nothing I can do for the kingdom of God, you don't realize you just signed up for something. God said, you're weak? Wonderful! Those are the kind of people I use. Then they never get confused who's working. They never get confused about the difference between grace and their ability. They just humbly line up with me and say, I just believe God. And they begin to see marvelous things because they walk in grace and they understand it's not about their strength, it's about their weakness and God making his strength perfect. Walking in grace is meant to get deeper and broader as time goes on. If we were to live to be a thousand years old, we would not exhaust the grace of God. Every day we would be able to get up Go on the grand adventure with the Holy Spirit and see new revelation of God's grace in that day and say, you know what? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every time I step out with Him, it's a new adventure. 
I love that. One of my favorite songs, I think out of the 80s or 90s in Christian music, was Saddle Up the Horses. We got a trail to blaze into the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. He tapped into that truth. Right there is where he tapped into that truth. It's a wild blue yonder. It's a new adventure. No matter how old we are in Christ, we still have a grace adventure unlocked to us by faith and recognizing I'm weak, he's strong. Let's go. Let's go. So today we're going to talk about, you want to say, uh uh-oh. Everybody say, uh uh-oh. Yeah. Walking in grace also brings about episodes of judgment. How many of you could have gone all day without hearing that? Whoa, 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 whoa. I just want to hear about the carrot, not the stick. I want to hear about the positive side of the coin, not the negative side of the coin. I want to hear about God's grace, his love, his ability to pardon and save. I want to hear about God comforting those that are afflicted, lifting up the despairing, healing those that are sick, casting out the unclean spirit and bringing liberty to those that are captive. I want to hear about that, Pastor. But we need to hear about, uh uh-oh, what happens when we resist it? What happens when we reject it? And what happens when we insert ourselves into the process and we pollute it? Uh Uh-oh. Walking in grace also brings about episodes of judgment. And there will be times that it will be judgment on our behalf. Now, did you notice what Jesus did on the cross? Some of you are saying, where are you getting that? Wouldn't you say that rejecting God's only son and nailing him to a cross would be worthy of world-ending judgment? We used to sing that song he could have called 10,000 Angels. Now, these are not naked little babies swirling about in a cloud of white, singing in cherubic voices. This is 10,000 warriors with flaming swords ready to destroy. If one angel can take out 185,000 of Sennacherib's men amassed against Israel in Jerusalem, how many of you think 10,000 could take out? With one arm tied behind their back, they could completely wipe the world out globally. But what did Jesus say aloud from the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What does he do? He inserts mercy in to stop the judgment. But what happens when somebody ignores the mercy and persists in polluting the grace There is a reckoning. And in this world, there can be indications and instances when the judgment of God acts against a person. And it's because of their direct pushing against the cause of Christ. Now, his favorite way to do that is for them to become born again. That's his favorite way. But if they resist, it's not unprecedented. That somebody get judged by the Lord and it cost them their life. It's happened to mockers. It's happened to people who have pushed against uh, open air meetings 
who have mocked the move of God in healing and deliverances around the world, that there is, thankfully, it's rather rare. It's rather rare. But it happens. Now, why would I, why in the world would I bring that up? Because it's in the book of Acts. And we need to understand that this can speak to us. Let this speak to you. Some of you are going to sit there and say, well, I don't do that, so this has nothing to say to me. This is speaking to me this morning because it's going to talk to us about how we tend to pollute and mix things together. And we want we don't want to do that. Amen. That's the short one right there. We could just say amen, pray and leave. But we're not. We're not. Okay. let me read this for you then. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, ironic because her name, I think, means beautiful. His name speaks of the beauty of the glory of the Lord. Also sold a piece of property. Why? And we're told this as we close out the last chapter, fourth chapter. And Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, sold a piece of property, took all the money, and put it at the feet of the apostles. What did he say? Here, I sold my land. It's, here's it all. It's not, here's a portion. Here's a 10%. He could have done that, but he said, take it all. I've turned my solid asset into a liquid asset. Here's the money. It will do you more good and the body of Christ more good than it does me any good. He gives it. What is the result? He's tagged, son of encouragement. Now it's in that environment that this happens. They sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. You see the difference? Joseph takes all the money and lays it at the apostles' feet. What do they do? With their full knowledge, they agree to keep back part of the money. But what are they selling? They're doing a PR spin job. And the PR spin job is we're bringing, we sold land, and we're bringing all the money. How many of you want to say, "Uh uh-oh, not a good idea? Not a good idea. We're going to find out later that the problem is not the amount of money they brought. They're going to start being exposed in their heart. So what's going on? Something is going on, and they have concocted a scheme, and they have watched how Joseph, the Levite from Cyprus, was treated, and now he's been tagged son of encouragement. They see the dynamic psychologically amongst the people of God who are going, this is awesome, this is wonderful, God has answered prayer, and they're saying... We want in on that action. Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to excel in giving? No. Is there anything wrong with seeing the positive results of tithing and giving and saying, I want to get in on God's financial program? Nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. Great example. But let's hold back a portion and sell everybody on the idea that it's all. We get the credit for giving all, and we still have 
a take. You see what's going on here? Can you, can you tell that somebody's at work and something's at work other than just the Holy Spirit? Other than just the grace of God in the heart of a person who's wanting simply to give. And he's wanting to give, not caring that the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. He recklessly gives. Joseph of Cyprus recklessly gives all of it. Because why? Evidently it's in his heart. He wants to glorify God and thank God for what he's done. So he just pours it all out as an offering. They see the results and they say, how can we get that? But we'll cut a corner. You know, one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life is the spirit of cutting the corner. How many people say, you know what? I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. How many of you know that's a good thought? It starts there. Now, how close can I live to the kingdom of darkness all of my life and still make it into the kingdom of light? How many of you know that's not the way to go about it? How far from the edge or close to the edge can I run this thing and somehow in the last minute get things right and make things right with God? That spirit, that mentality will not get you into heaven. That mentality will shipwreck you. Because the question isn't, how close to the edge of darkness may I live and still make it to the kingdom of light? It says, how recklessly can I live for the kingdom of light and live and walk with Jesus? How close can I get to to Jesus? Amen? Amen. That's what it's about. That idea of, Having your cake and eating it too. How many of you know that principle? Another way of looking at that is the have your cake and eat it too principle. How can I do this and still do that? How can I do this still get credit for that? How can I make my friends happy and please the Lord? How many of you know that's the wrong question to ask? There's only one question you need to be asking. How may I please the Lord? How may I surrender my life which was shipwrecked and broken and redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, by the way, how may I pour it out as an offering? How may I give my time? How may I give my money? How may I give my resources? All to glorify Jesus Christ, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the King of glory. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Hint, that is not their mentality. Their mentality is, how can we cut the corner? How can we get the credit for doing something that we didn't do? What's this called? Corruption. Corruption is just a touch of something that doesn't belong. How many of you have ever had a milkshake corrupted by a fly? You can always tell when someone's a veteran missionary. They'll grab that flag, that fly and say, spit it out. Spit it out. <clears throat> you know, a fly landing on something can just ruin it, right? Because some of us have very vivid imaginations. And we can just imagine where that fly has been before it's visited my milkshake or sat on the edge of my steak. And some people just go, Ugh. Or how about, I'll never forget to tell a story on my dad. He loved a bowl of fresh peaches sliced, 
covered with a mound of whipped cream. Oy. So he went over, set it on the step because he needed to get something else, then go upstairs. Except Cassie loves whipped cream or anything. Doesn't matter. So he goes over to the step, picks up that bowl and looks at it. It had been this high with whipped cream. It's just peaches now. And he goes, uh, Cassie, that bowl went in the trash. You don't go cover it back up with another pile of whipped cream. Now, just to bother people, I would sit down with a spoon and eat that whole bowl of peaches just to get on everybody else's nerves. But the, but then I'm not everybody else. I'm weird that way. Just a touch of something that does not belong. In this case, Ananias and Sapphira are corrupted by self. Now look at Joseph of Cyprus. Then consider Ananias and Sapphira. One is sitting there with the glow above his head, pure in heart. Joseph of Cyprus. Ananias and Sapphira, if you look very carefully, you can see some horns beginning to form on either side of the crown of their head. There's a smirk on their face. There's a darkness over them because they are not pure in heart. Now this is happening at the beginning of the church's ministry in Jerusalem. And in their history, the people of Israel had a story of Jericho. How many remember Jericho? Jericho's walls fell flat and they were defeated, weren't they? But God told them something. He said, devote all of Jericho to me and put everything like this to death, destroy that, take that and put it in uh, safekeeping for the making of the tabernacle. This city is devoted to me. It's mine. So another way to put that is, this is mine. Don't touch anything. It's not yours. Fair enough? But there was one man by the name of Achan who saw some silver, some gold, and a Babylonian garment. It was beautiful. I mean, it make Gucci wish he knew how to sew. He looked at those things, looked around, and said, Oh, this little bit won't hurt. They'll never miss it in the grand scheme of things. He took it and hid it in his tent. A couple days later, they sent a smaller army up against the next city they were assigned to defeat, the city of Ai, or Ai. 36 soldiers gave their life that day and ran, the rest of the army, ran before the army of Ai or Ai. Why? Because of the sin of Achan. He had taken that garment, that gold, that silver, and it cost the lives of 36 soldiers. Why? Because God did not fight for them. God's hand was withheld. Joshua falls on the ground and says, man, we're in deep trouble. He begins to say, "Uh uh-oh, what happened? God said, get up, stop praying. Now, if God tells you to stop praying, you better pay attention. 
And he says, I told you. Here was the math. Don't touch anything in Jericho. So obviously, somebody touched something in Jericho. They began to take the Urim and the Thummim, had all the families pass, finally selected Achan. Achan and his family had to be destroyed that day in order to cover his sin and the death of those 36 soldiers. And from that point, they then went, used a different strategy, defeated Ai, defeated Bethel and the other towns. And you read that Joshua defeated 31 kings, giants, and 31 major cities and took the land in the triumph of God. But what stood in the way to the victory? What stood in the way to that great grace being outpoured? What had stayed the hand of God's grace in the case of Ai? The sin of Achan. He had brought a corruption to the people of Israel. Peter goes on to say, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Now the problem isn't that he kept some of the money. The problem is he kept some of the money and claimed it was the total price that he was giving. Now, how many of you know, when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're in deep waters. You're in deep problems. Who is the only one who can convict you and bring you to Jesus? The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you don't even come to me except the Spirit draws you. What happens when you blaspheme the Spirit? I'm not saying these two are the same. What happens when you cut yourself off from the Holy Spirit? What happens when you become reprobate? There's no hope for you because you have cut yourself off from the slender rope, the only rope that can bring you into this conviction. And he says, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? We've read about people who've had their heart filled, haven't we? The Spirit leads the soul, which in turn leads the body. And so if the Spirit becomes corrupted, what happens? Then the soul, then the body. We see that with Judas. Satan fills his heart. With Ananias and Sapphira, Satan fills his heart. Acts chapter 5 verse 4 goes on to say, Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? The problem isn't selling the property. The problem isn't determining what you're going to give God. The problem is bringing 80% or bringing 20% or whatever percentage it is and claiming it's 100%. That's the problem. You have not lied just to human beings but to God. Now we need to understand something. What's going on in the church at that time? They are having much grace. God's revelation is great. The Spirit of God is moving powerfully like a river. People are coming to conviction and saying, men and brethren, what must we do? They're falling on their faces and repenting and accepting Jesus as their Savior. They have thousands being added to the church. Yes, they're being persecuted. Yes, they're being given a rough time. 
but the grace of God is being poured out. Miracles are happening. Lives are changing. And how many of you know that that can be a dangerous time? Because when there is much grace, there's much responsibility. We have to realize and be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and say, the enemy doesn't want this grace moving. So he's going to try to corrupt it. This simple grace of encouragement, this simple grace of giving, he wants to get involved there and making it a bragging contest. He wants to make this like, how many of you have been, we've done this in our church, not saying this is the same thing, but somebody will bake a pie and we'll have a raffle or an auction to raise money for camp. I've seen $200 pies at Vision Church. I've seen them get in bidding wars back and forth. Now, what are they doing? They're just wanting to give. They were going to give money to the kids to go to camp. But it's fun for guys to get up and get in. It's almost as good as a spinning contest. And get in a bidding war over a piece of pie. Right? Now, the point is they want to send the kids to camp. But it's fun to do it in the name of bidding for a apple pie or pumpkin pie or meringue pie or something and the person who bakes it they go home going my pie sold for two hundred dollars right well it was the last pie they they saved it for last and they went into the bidding war and so that's not what i'm talking about but can you imagine if these people start one-upping each other because they want the favor of the apostles they want their name to be mentioned And something's about to break out to ruin the church. And Peter, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, steps in and realizes, look, the Holy Spirit is powerful in our midst. We have a great responsibility to keep this pure. And he realizes something. Jesus is whispering to his heart, we need a judgment. We're going to have to make the difference between God's things and man's things, between God's things and the enemy's things. You can read on from Jericho and you can encounter a man by the name of Saul, not of Tarsus, but Saul of Kish, a man out of the tribe of Benjamin who starts out humble but becomes full of pride and he corrupts the anointing. He corrupts the touch of God on his life. He ends up consulting with witches and dying with his body hung on the wall of a city at the hand of an ungodly people. What a horrible story. If you read the story of Saul, he went from nothing to something to worse than nothing. What a mess. What a horrible ending came to him. Why? He was given great grace. He was given great responsibility, and he corrupted it. And when he corrupted it, an evil spirit from the Lord came and tormented him day upon day upon day. Why? Judgment. I know it's the other side of the coin. I know it's the uh uh-oh and we don't like it, but it's there. We prefer the carrot, but there is the stick, the judgment. How many of you would rather avoid the judgment? Or how many of you are glad that mercy triumphs over judgment. Isn't that great? So when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and 
Great fear seized all who heard what happened. And then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Don't you know that unity is powerful? Hello? Unity is powerful. They had unified in their corruption, and they both died. How many of you know unity is powerful if we unify for the grace of God? That's a better conspiracy, isn't it? I'd much rather we be in the divine conspiracy than the corrupt conspiracy. So be careful. Here's the warning. Be careful of the ideas and people you unify yourself with through agreement. It could bring judgment your way. Hello? Be careful who you unify with. What does that mean? Don't share in their plans. Don't partake in the gossip. Don't partake in the conspiracy. Don't partake in that attitude because it will, at the very least, corrupt you. And you're going to have to stand up against that. Unity is powerful, and that cuts both ways. It says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back up because I'm about to step out and let Tasha lead us in a time of worship. Let us make this time not only a time of worship, but a time of focusing in right where we are and allowing the Lord to speak to our heart out of his word that we just heard this morning. Great fear seized the whole church, to say the least. How many of you know they are wondering around the next service? Who's Peter going to be calling out today? Who's going to be asked a question that they better answer truthfully or we like to have carpet because in case somebody's slain in the spirit, they won't get hurt. But there'll be people who will be dropping. It doesn't matter whether it's carpet or hard floor because they're not getting back up again. Wow. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. The grace of God and a sense of awe. What are we, what are we picking up now in the church? A sense of awe. Whoa. Do you see what happened? Wow, God judged his people. Wow. Don't you know that changed the atmosphere? It didn't shut the church down, folks. It didn't end the meetings of the church. It did something amongst them that set an attitude of awe. And I'm going to tell you something. A sense of awe towards God is the best remedy to a temptation of corruption. The fear of the Lord will cause you to depart from evil. A sense that God is awesome and he can judge. And I don't want to be in the crosshairs. The grace of God and a sense of awe is the perfectly balanced attitude. 
So here's a couple loaded questions for us today as we pray, prepare our hearts before the Lord. Are we willing to embrace judgment? Are we willing to say, you know what? God can still judge his church. He can still judge people. He still does this. I much prefer the carrot than the stick, but there's a stick there. He reserves the right. In fact, he says, if judgment begins at the house of God, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Remember me preaching that out of the book of Hebrews? He will shake the earth so that that which is eternal may remain. And he says, if judgment begins at the house of God, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? This is where his judgment starts, is with us. So we need to be willing to embrace that judgment. How do we do that? We say, Lord, start with me. Start with the attitudes of my heart. Deal with the conspiracies of my thoughts and confront my spirit because I don't want a corrupt spirit to be in me. I don't want to then lead my thinking and on into my actions. I want to be pure. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see the kingdom of heaven. Will we allow judgment to start here with us and even welcome it? Holy Spirit, judge me in those inmost thoughts, in those secret thoughts, in those things in the depths of me. Lord, see if there be any unclean, any wicked, any corrupt way in me. And let's get it right. Let's get it straight so that we can come together and continue in our divine conspiracy to see the greatness of the grace of God displayed in our midst. Amen? While we worship, let us also pray and prepare our heart that way as Tasha comes to lead. Check one. There it is. Yes, thank you. What a perfect song, Lead Me to the Cross. With that ringing in our hearts today, we recognize and realize that we don't want to have anything. In fact, the apostle tells us to recoil in horror away from or totally reject anything stained or affected by the flesh. That's, that's our one-twos and our desires. Mm-hmm. There's only one answer for it. We die to ourselves at the cross. We embrace the cross. We love the cross. And he transforms and changes us. What a great transformation. Not the judgment, but the grace. The grace that changes us and then the grace that comes through us because we leak and leaks into our situations and our circumstances and transforms and changes them and gives them a touch of heaven. I don't know about you, but I can't do that. But I know somebody who can do it through me if I'll get out of the way, which means he'll do it for you if you'll get out of the way. So, Lord, we just love you. Thank you for this opportunity this morning to be gathered together in your name. We're praying for strength and healing, for grace to be demonstrated in our midst. Through us also, Lord, in the simple act of giving, encouraging, and in tremendous life-changing acts like people being born again, delivered, demons cast out, healed, all by that same grace, to the glory and the honor of Jesus the Christ of God, we ask it. Amen. May the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus be upon you without measure this week as you go forth and live for Him. Amen. Lord bless you as you go.